Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host, the Associate Director of Fantasy and Betting at the 33rd Team, Ryan Reynolds. Today we are going to be going over my rest of season fantasy rankings and trade value chart. Ryan's going to be trying to poke some holes in the arguments I make and we'll we'll see how I defend myself. And in between some of these position groups that we discuss, we'll also go over Ryan's key matchups of interest for week 10. Ryan, let's get started. I'm going to start with your beloved Chargers, Josh. You have Justin Herbert ranked fifth. I think that's a little too high, primarily because I have a mid-stakes team with Justin Herbert where I'm considering streamers at this point. It's been a rough couple months. You know, but that said, when I saw him at fifth in your ranks, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I can ride this out a little bit longer. So I'm curious, why do you have him fifth still? So Justin Herbert going into last week had 21 and a half fantasy points per game. He was a top three fantasy quarterback. Then he has just seven, seven, seven fantasy points against the Jets. He's still at nearly 20 fantasy points a game. He has the seventh most pass attempts per game. He has at least 36 pass attempts each of the past four weeks. The Chargers defense has been helping him. They've been allowing an NFL high and passing yards per game to opponents. Herbert's probably going to have to continue to throw at heavy volume moving forward. The final four games of the fantasy season, we like those matchups. Weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, Broncos, Raiders, Bills, Broncos, all very exciting matchups for Herbert's potential. The real concern here is the wide receiver health. Mike Williams out for the season. Josh Palmer on injured reserve. He still has Austin Eckler. He still has Keenan Allen. Gerald Everett is a good functional role player. And then Quentin Johnston's the ultimate wild card. I don't think he pops this year, but I, I don't want to rule that out quite yet. Ultimately, though, I, I agree. Herbert's a little high. If he struggles in week 10 against Detroit, he will fall down to the next tier. That's Jalarkey tweets that you've already brightened my day, Josh. That's good news for me. Again, I'm in a very good position. Need to, need to figure out what I'm doing with Herbert, though. Next up, Josh, Sam Howell. You have him at 11th. At, at first glance, it's like, oh, man, that's real high for him. But then, then when you dig into the numbers, when you think about how things have gone this season, I actually think it's pretty reasonable. What are you thinking about Howell going forward with the Commanders, especially given their, their difficult second-half schedule? Yeah, Ryan, we'll take some wins on this show. We'll also take some losses. We were, were too low on Sam Howell heading into yep. this year. We were too low. He's currently leading the NFL with 39 pass attempts per game. He's on pace to set the NFL record, not for sacks taken anymore. He's, he's improved there, but set the NFL record for dropbacks in a season. He's 12th among quarterbacks with 17 rush yards per game. So if he's rushing and leading the NFL in pass attempts, that's a pretty good usage for fantasy points. The supporting cast is strong. We, we like Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dotson's fine. Logan Thomas is fine. Curtis Samuel's fine. It's, there's just a lot of players that are at least average, if not above average, for their spot on the depth chart. And then this Washington defense just cannot stop anyone. Similarly to the Chargers, we like when there's a, there's a quarterback that is throwing a lot paired with a bad defense. They just traded away Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the defensive line. So this bad defense should get worse. And... If we just zoom out and look at Sam Howell, he's already 10th in the NFL at quarterback with 18 and a half fantasy points per game. So having him at 11, I, th I think that's pretty reasonable. Next up, Josh, CJ Stroud threw for 470 passing yards and five touchdowns last week. That said, the two weeks before he had less than 200. I personally still view him as a premium streamer. Obviously, last week was very impressive. That said, Josh, you have him ranked at 14th. Is he the line for you where anyone above him 
is a quality quarterback that you that has at least some reliability and anyone after him is pretty volatile volatile. Yeah, I, I think we could we could call him roughly the line. I have Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, and Brock Purdy in the same tier just below him. I kind of think these are all the guys that you could just start every single week. If everyone in your league likes two quarterbacks on their roster, fine. That you you've got a let's say you have a, a Stroud or a Watson or a Goff, and then the best option on the waiver wire is Mac Jones. You you just start this guy every week. You're not going to get crushed. But really, th- this type of group with Stroud, Sean Watson, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, you want to be rotating and playing matchups, and that's how you can compete with a, a Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen team where you can conceivably be within three to four fantasy points a week of those teams at quarterback. And then ideally, your skill position group is much better because you didn't spend a third-round pick on a quarterback. In week 15, Stroud gets the Titans. In week 17, he gets the Titans again. Josh and I will be updating our playoff guide in the coming weeks where we where we can help you optimize your roster for the fantasy playoffs. Next up, Josh, a guy who I'd say has been mis- disappointing for a lot of people. I know going into the year, I framed it a, a lot this way where it's like, listen, if the Seahawks, if Geno Smith doesn't turn into a pumpkin, the Seahawks are a contender. Geno Smith has been a pumpkin over the last month. You have him ranked at 19 in your rest of the season rankings. What's your outlook for Smith going forward? Yeah, I think he's one where name value might be keeping him at 19 at this point. Maybe he should be lower. He's had one of eight games this year with at least 17 fantasy points. I mean, seven of eight games were under 17 fantasy points. Three of his eight were even below 10. I'm still not quite sure how he's performing so poorly. We've got such an awesome wide receiver trio there. There's two solid running backs on the team that keep defenses honest. I know you've talked a lot about how he's a very pressure-sensitive quarterback. The offensive line's been a little banged up. Is that kind of how you're seeing it? Since at this point, that's really the only thing I can think of as to why Geno Smith has regressed so much compared to last year. That's part of it. I mean, in the second half last year, he struggled a bit too, but he's definitely pressure sensitive. He's not very good in a muddy pocket, but he's also made some very suspect decisions over the last few weeks. And, you know, I, I know for me, I, and I'm curious your thoughts here, is he strictly a matchup space streamer at this point? Yes, we, we'll dive into Commander Seahawks later on in the show. I, I think he's a great play this week. <laughs> I like that, Josh. I like it. Next up, Josh Dobbs at 20. I love that you have him this high because he brings rushing equity. He's been ro- He was rock solid in Arizona. He kept them in a lot of games. And all of a sudden, especially when Justin Jefferson returns, Minnesota has a much better supporting cast. What are you thinking about Josh Dobbs going forward? Yeah, Dobbs is one where I, I would rank him ahead of Geno if their, their names were flipped. It's really that he's got uh, this stink on him just because he's a journeyman backup quarterback for pretty much all of his career until this season. I think after this week, if he performs well in his first full start with the Vikings, he he rises up at least one, maybe two tiers. The way that I see it is that last week, his 27 fantasy points, we love that. He came in for Jaron Hall after a couple drives. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't know some of the offensive linemen's full names. Incredible. But uh, that's a one-week sample. The The way that I see it is he could pretty easily join that, that Jared Goff, Brock Purdy type zone, maybe even surpass that once again. I just want to see him in at least one full game of action where we can understand what a game plan in Minnesota looks like with him. He's run at least six times in six of his past seven games. We like the mobility. He has at least 40 rushing yards in six of his past eight games. He kind of feels like this year's Daniel Jones. Remember last year, Daniel Jones, you look at the end of the season, you go, oh, Daniel Jones has 700 rushing yards. He was a low-end fantasy quarterback one. I think 
Dobbs is on the precipice of that for the, the, the final stretch of the season. He's had at least 23 fantasy points in four games. He's only been below 17 fantasy points in four of nine games, whereas uh, Gino's been below that in all but one. The skill group in Minnesota is going to be really good once Justin Jefferson returns. I think Jefferson probably returns in week 11. The one other issue with Dobbs is that uh, they have the week 13 bye. So you are going to have to find a replacement for him in week 13. But I think we're, we are, we are really close, probably one week away from Dobbs rocketing one, maybe two tiers in these rankings, because I, I think what we've seen from him is a very fantasy friendly skill set. Before we dive into running backs, make sure that you check out Ryan's Saturday betting thoughts. They're on the site, the 33rd team.com free to read. He walks through every game and lets you know what he's betting on for that Sunday slate. It's must read. You get to dive into Ryan's mind. And speaking of Ryan's mind, Ryan, how are you viewing Texans Bengals this week? That's a, a very interesting game. It's got a solid game total. We've got Stroud and Burrow. So obviously two premium quarterback options. Everyone's going to be tuning in there. What will you specifically be looking for? Uh, one thing here, Josh, that I find fascinating is, you know, we have Lou Anaromo against CJ Stroud. They're going to let them run the ball because the Texans can't run the ball. And, you know, I like to be a villain contrarian sometimes. And I think if you are a contrarian better, one of the first things you have to think of this week is I want to bet on CJ Stroud's under passing yards this week. And I'm going to try to get there. Not there yet, yet, quite yet, but I'm going to try to get there on that. And then the other side of things, I think Joe Burrow's going to end the season as the MVP. I think the Bengals are going to get to the Super Bowl. The T. Higgins news is a little bit concerning, but Burrow's playing his best football right now. And the Texans are still a very volatile team. I like it. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Contrarian, smart, thoughtful, a true originator. I'm going to kick it back to you. Let's talk some running backs. Running backs, Josh. I love your top five. I agree completely with all of them. I think there's a conversation at, at six overall, though, with Brees Hall. It's not because Brees Hall is a great, great player, but there's two factors here. One, outside of his two big runs, he hasn't really been overly productive because Zach Wilson offers no – He's not a threat at all to opposing defenses, so they can stack the box. And two, the Jets, for some reason, have been very pass-centric the last two or three weeks, which I personally don't understand at all, given what they have on the field. I'm guessing they're going to go the other way this week against the Raiders, but as Adam Levitan once said, our job is not to talk about what coaches should do. It's what they are doing. So given what they're doing with Brees Hall in this running game right now, what are your thoughts on Hall long-term? So Brees Hall took four weeks this year to acclimate with the ACL injury that he suffered a month and a half in last season. So let, let's start with week five onward this year. Since week five, he's averaged 16 carries and five targets a game. That is an elite role. He's averaged 20 PPR fantasy points a game in that span. That's high-end fantasy RB1 production. Since week five, Dalvin Cook, one game with six carries. Michael Carter, one game with six targets. Other than that, no more than three carries or three targets in a game from either of them. Brees Hall is an absolute bell cow. I'd say Brees Hall would actually be in that Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Travis Etienne type conversation if he didn't have to play with Zach Wilson. And for that reason, that's why I have him uh, the tier below, but kind of one of the headliners of that, that next group where the, the role is as good as every player not named Christian McCaffrey. It's, it's just that he's... He's with Zach Wilson. And I, I think we should not say, when, oh, if you take out the big runs, because ultimately part of why we like Brees Hall is that he, he his 40 time was 4-3-9. Not everyone can do that. It's a, it's like saying, oh, what if we take out the, the Nick Chubb big runs or the Jonathan Taylor big runs? 
So I, I'd push back a little there since I know a lot of people are saying like, if you take out his, his 10 fantasy point runs, he doesn't have those 10 fantasy points, which I agree. He wouldn't have them, but that's part of his profile. That's part of why we like him is that even in this lethargic Zach Wilson offense, they can't create big passing plays, but they can still create the big run plays. That's Jalarkey tweets. Part of Brees Hall's dance is breaking 50 yard plus runs. That's why we like him. Next up, the Lions backfield, Josh. You have David Montgomery list 12th in your rest of the season rankings. You have Jameer Gibbs 17th. We like both players. Lions have a premium offensive line. They have a pure pocket passer in Jared Goff, too. I actually think there can be enough work for both of these guys to split and still be relevant. Where are you at on them going forward? Yeah, I I don't feel great about my decision point of Montgomery a touch ahead Gibbs, but uh, I'm more confident in Montgomery over Gibbs than Gibbs over, Gibbs over Montgomery. So I, I'd say like 60% confidence Montgomery is the lead back the rest of this year. Then Gibbs becomes the lead back next year. I did have David Montgomery in tier three of my rest of season rankings. He got injured. I dropped him to tier four. Now he's healthy. He practiced in full already this week. And you might be like, well, why doesn't he pop back up to tier three? It's because Jameer Gibbs was very, very impressive. Not just with fantasy points, with, but just when you watch the tape, you go, wow, this looks like one of the more explosive NFL running backs. But Gibbs got a little little bit lucky in his two starts without Montgomery. The first game, the, the Lions are down 28-0 at halftime to the Ravens. That is the perfect game script for Jameer Gibbs. He gets 10 targets. He catches nine of them. PPR, superstar. The next week, he faces a Raiders team where after that game, they fired their general manager, head coach, offensive coordinator, and they benched their quarterback. So a uh, little bit of luck there for Gibbs. I'd say he did the most with his opportunities, but uh, it's tough for me to see Dan Campbell going away from the much bigger back who had been so effective in David Montgomery. I agree with you there, Josh. Next up, where would you say the line is for plug and play options at running back? Meaning, you know, we're sticking in David Montgomery right now. Who's the last guy where you're putting him in every, every week, regardless of matchup. I think it's in, when we look at tier five, we have Rashad White, and then we have James Conner, who's returning from injury soon. The next guy after that to end Tier 5 is James Cook. I think he might fall out of that range after this week, depending on what we see with Leonard Fournette, if he's activated to the roster for this Monday night matchup. James Cook's been below nine fantasy points four of his past five games. He's averaging under 12 fantasy points a game at this point. So he's really been starting to tail off after a hot start. And then in Tier 6, that's when I think it gets a little shakier because we have Chuba Hubbard in that tier. Hopefully he keeps Miles Sanders off the field. Sanders was a little more efficient last week. Sanders has the big contract. I'm not super confident Chuba's job is very safe as the lead back. Then we have Kyron Williams. I We hope he overtakes Darrell Henderson when he returns from injury. We're not sure of that. A tiny bit of uncertainty with Stafford. And then we have Ramondre Stevenson, whose floor is terrifyingly low. So I think the the five six is sort of where we go from. All right, we're starting these guys every week. To you know what? It, it depends on bye weeks. It depends on the the matchup with these players. Find Joss's rest of season rankings on the site right now. He releases them every Wednesday afternoon. James Connor was the line for me too, so I love that. That's where your head's at as well. I like it. Ne- next up, Josh. Buy low targets are a big thing. You know the trade deadline's coming up in most of our fantasy leagues. Is there anyone you're targeting at the position right now? I talked about him. 30 seconds ago. Kyron Williams. I would like to take a swing at him. There's some uncertainty around Matthew Stafford, but uh, from what I've read, he's probably playing in week 11 after their week 10 bye. Kyron Williams had a top six fantasy role when he was healthy. 
I kind of think of him as the cheapest running back with this clear path to difference making upside. Darrell Henderson has not played particularly well. Royce Freeman is uh, Royce Freeman. So uh, not that we think Kyron Williams is this world beater, but he was reasonably effective in his role prior to injury. And I don't really see why they'd go away from that. So he seems like he has very few things that need to break right, where he doesn't need an injury to a guy ahead of him or anything like that to suddenly jump back into fantasy RB1 conversation. Shout out to our waiver wire guy, Nick Botterford, who was the first person I saw that was on Kyron Williams last year, actually. Next up, Josh, stashes are very important. You recommend that users take a few high premium or high upside injury away handcuffs at the end of at the end of your rosters. Who are you looking for in that range? One of them is Zach Moss. Jonathan Taylor had the big workload. As we've talked about, we said, guys, make sure you're buying Jonathan Taylor. The workload will keep increasing. It was most recently 18 carries and five targets. That's a big workload. He might get hurt again. We know already for certain that Zach Moss can have a fantasy RB1 role and fantasy points when Jonathan Taylor's out. So I, I would like Zach Moss on my fantasy benches. Two deeper guys, Elijah Mitchell. We talk about him a lot. Caffrey, he's undersized. He gets heavy volume. We've seen Mitchell be a fantasy RB1, uh, kind of like a, the RB10, RB11 in fantasy points a game when he gets the full workload. And then if we go a little bit deeper, we hit Rico Dowdle of the Cowboys. Good offensive line, solid overall offense. The direct backup to Tony Pollard, who's getting the biggest workload of his career and forcing missed tackles at the lowest rate of his career. So essentially taking the most contact of his career. Before we move on to receivers, make sure you're checking out Ryan's survivor piece on Mondays. I'd say it's the best one out there. There's a lot of group think Olympics that goes on with survivor and uh, Ryan Reynolds is an athlete in many ways, but he's not a group think Olympics participant. Make sure you are checking that out. That's free on the 33rd team.com on Mondays. He's got his power rankings that drop on Tuesdays. Ryan, another big game the, this upcoming Sunday. 49ers at the Jaguars. A lot of people are wondering about this one. Will the Niners stop their three-game skid? Can the Jaguars keep the best record in the AFC? How are you viewing this one? I have this one as a loss for the Jaguars, even though I do think the Jaguars are going to end up with the best record in the AFC because they're scheduled. But I do think... Like you said, 49ers are on a three-game winning streak. They're coming off their bye. They're getting healthy. Just about every team in the league would be in trouble in this spot. Um, I, I can't wait to see what Chase Young looks like added to this already dynamic, deep pass rush. That's a crazy addition, in my opinion, especially since him and Nick Bosa played together at Ohio State. Uh, ultimately, though, Brock Purdy's offense, you know, for I think all but one of his starts, including the playoffs, and, and apart from the injury game against the Eagles in the NFC Championship, the 49ers scored at least 30 points just about every game, just about every week. During their three-game losing streak, they scored 17. Which one's the reality, you know? So I'm, I'm looking to see what Purdy can do. I do think the 49ers take care of business here, though. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL, on Twitter. The more famous, the more handsome, the more successful, the better Ryan Reynolds. Please keep mistaking him for the fraud that owns the soccer team in Europe through Twitter <laughs> DMs. Thank you for the kind words, Josh. Let's jump into wide receivers now. <laughs> Let, let's let's just ask you this question straight up, Josh. Jamar Chase apparently has a back injury. How concerned are you about that? I I mean, it, it's concerning. He's an explosive player. We, we don't like when guys who rely on speed and physicality and explosiveness are injured. 
especially at back, but uh, kind of lucky fantasy points wise that uh, T Higgins hurt himself in practice yesterday with his hamstring. He did not practice today and he's almost certainly missing week 10. So in Chase's uh, potentially worst efficiency game, he will not be competing with T Higgins for targets. So maybe the efficiency drops, the big play chances drop for him, but they're offset with volume though with Jamar Chase. I remember last year, I'm old enough to remember last year, old enough to remember last year. He has a hairline fracture in his hip. He took four games off and then he came back and the next five games, he put up 17, 29, 19, 14, and then 23 PPR fantasy points in those next five games. I, I'm not particularly concerned long-term. Uh, if Higgins was playing, I would say this week, Chase uh, looks like maybe he's slightly out of the top 12 conversation for fantasy. But with Higgins out, I I can't see myself doing anything other than jamming Jamar Chase into my fantasy wide receiver one slot pretty confidently. That's Jay tweets. Next up, Josh, someone, I like Chris Olave coming into the season like I did with All Saints because of their schedule. I probably don't like him as much of, as a player than a lot of people do. I, I'm a little bit below consensus there. That said, Josh, you have met wide receiver nine right now. The first half has been somewhat disappointing, at least on the touchdowns front for sure. But you think, obviously you think things are looking up going forward. I do. He is 12th right now in targets per game, nine and a half. He's fourth in air yards per game, 120 air yards per game. So he's getting a lot of targets down the field. He's also 12th in my expected fantasy points model. That just looks at usage. It's looking at the the types of targets he's getting and how kind of an average player with that type of role would score in fantasy. So he looks like the wide receiver 12, but I'm actually going to give him a little more credit. You might say, well, you have a wide receiver nine one. He's a young player. I always like to bet on young players to uh, get injured at a lower rate to uh, come on stronger as the season moves along because their body is younger and they're not breaking down. And remember Derek Carr, he had the shoulder injury early in the season. So there were several Chris Olave games where he was actually not getting a full strength Derek Carr. So because of all those reasons, 12th in current usage, I'm going to, we'll put him up a little higher at nine. I want to, this is a player that I want to bet on rest of season because I think he's good. And again, we love the Saints schedule. We love that they play in a dome. Next up, Josh, you have Justin Jefferson ranked 10th. He's missed multiple weeks due to an injury. He no longer has Kirk Cousins. Obviously, you know, he's the most productive young receiver in the history of the sport. What do you think his fantasy aspects prospects are going forward for this season? Uh, well, maybe the hardest guy to rank that we've talked about. He probably misses week 10 and returns in week 11. He also misses week 13 with the bye. Josh Dobbs wasn't very good for Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown had a mid-20s target share with Josh Dobbs. Dobbs struggled with accuracy issues. He frequently missed Hollywood down the field. I, I, I highly doubt that when Jefferson returns the week after, he, he's not going to be at 10. He's either going to be in the top five or he's going to be probably outside the top 15. Is that kind of how you're seeing it? I think me putting him at 10 is kind of trying to weigh the, the upside and downside here since I, I think the, the range of outcomes is actually quite vast for him. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's pretty much how I thought you saw this when I just I just glimpsed through your rankings. Um, I actually do think Josh Dobbs can make him a top five receiver going forward, if not higher than that. So I I, I think that's smart, man. Reminder: check out Jordan Vanek's wide receiver rankings. He just released them on the site. Jordan's a data guy. Jordan can code now. Jordan's a film guru. I know he uh 
probably the only guy in the industry that I that was touting Adam Thielen before the season. He was on Tank Dell too. Jordan's definitely yeah. worth listening to when it comes to wide receivers. Next up, Josh. Mike Evans is 14th in fantasy points per game for wide receivers. You have him ranked 25th in your rest of season rankings. Why is that? I know it seems disrespectful at first glance. It's like, oh, do you do you know how many thousand yard seasons this guy has? You know, it's Mike Evans. I also know that he's averaged 12 fantasy points a game the past five games. In that span, he's had six targets per game. Six. People are pissed off at Olave. Olave's averaging nine and a half targets a game, folks. My expected fantasy points model for the full year has Mike Evans at wide receiver 21 per game. Maybe we should downgrade him a little more because it's Baker Mayfield throwing in the ball. These past five games, because he came out really hot, and then uh, I think everyone realized we should probably cover Mike Evans a little more. Past five games, he's actually been the wide receiver 36 per game with usage translating to fantasy points. So uh, I think 25 is, is actually very, very fair for a receiver who who might actually be trending down a little bit. I like that. I think that's smart, especially, you know, I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy, so I don't really want to bet on Baker Mayfield yeah. in any meaningful way in general. Next up, Josh, the flip side concept here. Hollywood Brown is 37th in fantasy points per game right now. You have him ranked 19th in your in your rest of season rankings. Why is that? I'm ready for this. Uh, one, he gets Kyler Murray back. That's the the low-hanging fruit. The higher-hanging fruit is the, the high depth of target. The past eight games, he's averaged nine targets and 99 air yards per game. Yet he's only at 13 fantasy points a game in that span. The past eight games, when we look at his usage, it's actually exactly the wide receiver 19 per game in my, my usage model, and I have him at 19. So that's why I have him as a buy. I, I think he's probably going to be doing better than that. We know Kyler Murray likes to focus in on him. And all the conditions that happened last year in those first six weeks when he averaged 18 fantasy points a game through six weeks when we had Kyler Murray with a bad defense and no DeAndre Hopkins. What do we have this year? Uh, oh, we've got Kyler Murray with no DeAndre Hopkins and a bad defense. Welcome back, Hollywood Brown. I, I think you can be really easily looking at fantasy wide receiver one production rest of season. I've always been a Hollywood Brown guy, so I love that. After the 50th spot in your rest of season rankings, Jacques, at the wide receiver position, who's your favorite dart throw beyond there? We'll keep this quick. Zay Jones of the Jaguars, an injury to Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk, and then you start him every single week. He's practicing again this week. He might return against the 49ers. Easiest guy to see uh, plugging and playing for fantasy production. Speaking of plugs, everyone needs to check out Ryan's Saturday piece what he's betting on in every single game. It's free on the 33rdteam.com. Ryan, let's talk. We, we teased it a little bit. Uh, commanders travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks. This looks like a very good game for fantasy points and just an interesting game in general where we have uh, Sam Howell, who's been outperforming expectations considerably. Geno Smith, underperforming expectations considerably. I know you've gone on record via the text messages saying that you think the Seahawks defense could have a big week. Let's talk through all the angles here since this is, I think, one of the most intriguing games of the week. Yeah, I mean, Sam Howell's really grown on me, but he's still a volatile, you know, fringe starting quarterback in my view. Seahawks have a very good secondary. Commander's offensive line is still shoddy. Seahawks have a decent pass rush, but they could they could make some they could make a difference in this matchup. And like you said before, Josh, 
Howell's leading the league in attempt. You know, he's on a historic pace in passing attempts so far this year. So they're going to throw. My concern here is this, and this is very important, I think, in the NFC. Geno Smith needs to shred the Washington Commanders this week. If he doesn't, I think it's time to start pushing the panic button a little bit in Seattle because, quite frankly, he's the only thing that's holding this team back right now. Yeah, I think if Geno doesn't throw for 250 and two, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I would be very concerned with him in fantasy. I'd be very concerned about the rest of season outlook for the Seahawks as an NFL team and their their playoff aspirations and whether or not they can make any kind of run in the NFC. Let's talk some tight ends. All right, Josh. First up, a guy that I have on a few of my season-long rosters that's you know found his way into the starting lineup in the last few weeks. Dalton Kincaid of the Buffalo Bills, when I see his usage, it reminds me of Cole Beasley, oddly enough. We talked about this in the in the beginning of the year. Underneath throws, his volume's been wonderful the last three weeks. What are you thinking about Kincaid going forward? So the past three games, Dalton Kincaid's averaged nine targets, eight catches, 74 receiving yards a game, 17 PPR fantasy points per game in that span. That's basically Travis Kelsey. I don't know when Dawson Knox returns from his wrist injury, but even when Dawson Knox returns, Ryan, they 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 trade up in the first round for Kincaid. Wouldn't you say the cat's out of the bag at this point? You can't really just put Kincaid back in the box. At this point, he's in his own tier. And I think uh, one more good game from him. And then he jumps into the TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta tier, where all of a sudden you start to look at these fantasy wide receiver twos and you go, oh, I actually might trade this guy to be able to acquire Don Kincaid's difference-making production at tight end. Yeah, I mean, they drafted him essentially to be their Travis Kelsey. So I think Knox will still have a role, but Knox's role is more touchdown dependent. I think Kincaid, you know, this was the plan all along and they're already using him. There's no reason to scale him back. It would be like the Titans starting Ryan Tannehill over Will Levis, which they've announced they're not going to do. Uh, Next up. That's a good parallel. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, I have a good one, Josh. Speaking of speaking of Josh, Josh is a man of the people. You can check out his fantasy rankings every Tuesday. Him, Matthew Hill, Kev Wheeler, they combine. You can find some you can find some differences between their thoughts, see some consensus. I know whenever I have a one versus one decision, I check out their fantasy rankings every week. Josh added Taysom Hill to the tight end pool this week because again, a man of the people. Hill is one of the most unique fantasy players in the, you know, the history of the game, which is what, you know, we're talking 20 plus years now. He's a quarterback that counts as a tight end that catch passes that runs the ball in the red zone all the time. He's a big spike week player. We know that. We've seen that over the last several years, but he's been pretty consistent lately. So what are you thinking about Hill long-term here, Josh? So he he's the hardest tight end to rank. He didn't do anything oh, yeah. the first five games of the year. I'm just going to list off some highlights in week six, seven, eight, and nine. And I think it will help people understand why he's tough to rank. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss. Week six, he has eight targets. Catches seven. Week seven, five carries, five targets. Oh, that's, that's pretty good for a tight end. Week eight, nine carries, two touchdowns on the ground on those nine carries. He's getting the ball right in the, the, in the the at the goal line. And he has 44 passing yards. Then week nine, 11 carries, five targets. He throws one pass attempt for three yards and a touchdown. The, the usage is ridiculous. I, I don't know how to predict it every single week. But the one consistency is that the last month he has at least eight opportunities to do something in each of those games. I have him in the same tier right now as George Kittle, Evan Engram, Trey McBride. I have him the tier below Dalton Kincaid. The way I see it is, Ryan, would you rather have Dalton Kincaid or Taysom Hill? I think I'd go Kincaid. Kincaid, yeah. 
But then Kittle, Ingram, McBride, I think I'd rather have those guys still. I just don't trust the stability of Taysom, but I think he should be in that tier because I think there's a real chance he just outscores all three of them by like two fantasy points a game rest of season. That's kind of the the thought process behind Taysom Hill, where all I know is I want Kincaid more, so he can't be quite in that tier. Let me run by those three names for you. I'm curious what you think. I'd rather have the Kittle spike, so I'd rather have Kittle. I think I'd actually rather have Taysom Hill than Evan Ingram. And it, depending on my team, if I was playing from behind, I'd rather have Taysom Hill for a given matchup. But if I if I if I want stability, I'd actually go with Trey McBride. You think that's fair? I think that's pretty fair. the The one pushback I'll give on Ingram is he had the the pretty intense usage spike last year, where he kind of became a league winner. I don't think he does that again this year, but I don't think there were any indications last year that the the usage would spike. And he's one of the fastest tight ends in the NFL. He's attached to Trevor Lawrence, so. I, yeah, I, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. tough. That's why, that's why they're the same tier. They extended them too. So I I think that's a good point you make. Next up, Josh, I have Dallas Goddard on a $500 league. Thankfully I have Dalton Kincaid and Trey McBride as well. So I'm loaded at tight end. I'm fine. But if I didn't have those guys, what's your plan for Dallas Goddard for the rest of the season? So I have him tier nine for the general public, which is basically players that you can drop and rotate through. The way I see it with Dallas Goddard is if you're six and three or better and you have something at tight end, kind of like what you have, I think you should treat him kind of like a tier seven guy. Tier seven is Jake Ferguson. I think those are pretty similar players where when Goddard's back, I want Goddard, but uh, Jake Ferguson's just giving you enough that you're doing something at tight end every single week. He's probably out through week 13, maybe week 14 with the broken forearm, but we love the the fantasy playoff schedule for the Eagles. So that's why if you can afford to stash him, you should. Because weeks 15, 16, 17 are the Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals. I could definitely see the Eagles hanging 35 points and at least two, if not all three of those games. Guys, Ryan watches every snap of every game since 2014. Nobody talks about football like Ryan. And before we get to my sneaky buy low ahead of week 10, Let's talk about the the one game that I think a lot of people were waiting for. They want to hear about the Lions visiting the Chargers. What are you looking at in that game? This is a game where I want to have the Chargers winning it, but the Lions are coming off a bye. And and one of the one of the things that sticks out to me the most here, Josh, is secretly these are two underwhelming offenses right now. They're kind of underachieving a little bit. Their defenses have actually been a little bit better. That said, the defenses have performed well against bottom-tier opponents. You know, beating up the Jets is not really an accomplishment. Hosting Tyson Badgen on Sunday Night Football and beating him up isn't really an accomplishment either. You know, for the Lions, beating up the Raiders, you know, I don't care about that. Beating up the Panthers or Jordan Loves Packers, I don't care about that. So I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. The Chargers are desperate, which is fascinating. But, you know, again, I think the Lions' offense is going to run through their, their backfield fascinatingly enough. So let's maybe see if Jamison Williams can get one over the top two here this week. I like it. I like it. Folks, before we close out the show, reminder, Ryan's work is on the 33rd team.com power rankings, what he's betting on survivor thoughts. It's you really can't get enough Ryan on the site. He, he, he kind of dominates a lot of our coverage and for a reason what he, he's very, very good at what he does. My fantasy rankings, rest of season rankings, those are also on the site. All of our articles will link to our free Discord. 
trade advice, start sits, prop bets, DFS advice. We've got all of it. It's free in there. Ryan, I think it might be time to talk uh, one final player. Yeah, I mean, Josh, we've covered a lot of players here, a lot of guys that stuck out to me in your rest of season rankings, which, you know, if I'm being honest here, Josh, I was splitting hairs on the guys that I picked in, in general, so I'm kind of the same way. So what I want from you is give me one sneaky high upside buy low target that we haven't mentioned yet. This quarterback had over 30 fantasy points in week four. He had over 30 fantasy points in week five. He gets hurt early on in week six. But he gets the Cardinals in week 16. We like that. He gets the Falcons in week 17. We also like that. He's playing for his career. His team has two early first round picks next year. Will this quarterback be the guy? Or will he be on another team next year? I want to be trading for Justin Fields because in week 17, I think it's an audition for the rest of his career. He'll either be on the Bears with a fortified offensive line, more pass catching weapons, or I think he could actually be on that opposite team the falcons as their starting quarterback in 2024 